Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And welcome to the Backstage Show. This week on the Backstage Show, we're going to continue our conversation about cast dynamics and chemistry. Yes, it's a... Uh, just, tr- just just so we're clear, cast dynamics and cast chemistry. We're not like discussing just straight up chemistry. Just, oh. Just want to make that clear. Okay. All right. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Fine. Uh, it, it's something you may have to tread lightly around sometimes because you don't... As we mentioned in the last episode, you really don't exactly know always how it's going to turn out. No, you don't. You don't always know how it's been either. So. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting thought. So in the past, when I've directed shows and when I've offered roles to people, occasionally I've run in situations where I remember spending one time spending 20 minutes trying to convince a particular actor to accept a role. Which isn't always good when you have to convince somebody. Yeah, well, he was kind of trying to feel me out as a director as far as understanding what my vision was and Mm -hmm. how I approach things and how methodical I am and that kind of a thing, I guess. So maybe he was a little hesitant to uh, take on the role. And then there have been other situations where, you know, maybe people were curious as to who else was cast. Yeah, I never know what to do with that because you can't, I mean, depending on what order you're making the phone calls in, you may not have anybody cast yet. Yeah, right. Uh, You're the first person I called. Yeah, so you can't always say that. And even if you can, should you? Because the first person you call, if they ask that question, the answer is, well, you're the first person I called. But the last person, technically, you could tell them everybody else who's in the cast. So what's your obligation as a director? What's the right thing to do there? It's kind of hard to say. I Yeah, exactly. But I, I guess it it's possible, I guess, that an actor coming, in, coming to an audition who sees who else is auditioning mm-hmm. is concerned about the chemistry yeah. that's going to result. That's certainly a possibility. And it's possible that maybe, you know, if they see certain people auditioning, they think, oh, well, these people will be really good to work with mm-hmm. or oh, geez, I hope this person doesn't get cast because this might be a buzzkill. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly thought that as as an actor auditioning for a show where I'm like, boy, I really don't want to work with this person. But I, I still, even with that, I don't think I've asked who else was cast. I mean, it, it comes down to the role for me. Is this a role I want to play? Mm-hmm. Because you don't even know, when you're making your decision of what to audition for, it's not like you know who else is auditioning. No. Not at all, so, unless you happen to know of other people yeah, yeah, I mean, who are I mean, friends of yours. Yeah, and often that or seems to think there's like an overlap with their you know, auditioning for the same roles as them often. But, well, uh, we talked about, yeah. I think at a uh, New Year's party, my New Year's party, we talked about both playing to audition for a role coming up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the one that you ultimately got. out of sight, out of murder. <laughs> We're looking for a Glenn type. Well, well Jim's a Glenn type. <laughs> but who is a better Glenn type than Glenn? Yeah, well, soon, like I said, as soon as I knew you were auditioning, I was like, oh, yeah. crap, he's going to get the role. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. <laughs> you were, you were. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like you're you're generally not going into something. Uh, if you're auditioning for a role, you're auditioning because it's a role you want in a show that you want. It's not you're auditioning to work with people. Usually. I don't think everybody looks at it that way. I, that's why I said, like I put usually at the end of that. Cause I was kind yeah. of, as I was saying that I'm going, I guess in the early days when I was doing so much, it was just that, Hey, I want to be involved with this group and these, this group of people. But I think there are people who 
They do theater not necessarily so much because of a particular role. They do it for the general experience and being a part of something. That, and that's wanting true to too. be with a group of people who have good chemistry, who all get along together and yeah. can put something good together. I, I think that's more important to them maybe than This is coming down to the an work age element thing again. It. I mean, because we're a little more let's just go with experienced. <laughs> because, seasoned. Because we're a little more seasoned, a little more experienced. Because of that, I think we're looking more towards roles toward in specific shows and less towards the experience with the cast. Not that that's not something that we still enjoy and is still important, but it's less, I, I feel like earlier on, you know, 20 years ago when I started, 10 years ago when I lied and said I was starting or whatever. <laughs> uh, 10 years ago when I was like less involved with with family it was more about oh this is my social interaction so the the cast dynamics are important to me I want to work with people I'm having fun working with as opposed to now where I'm like I really want to do this role I hope that the cast dynamics are good but it's less important to me I don't think everybody sees it that way just oh, regardless not. of age I think there are people who still feel that it's more the general experience, not Mm -hmm. necessarily specifically role-driven, but just the general experience of being with a group of people that you get along with and putting on a good show together. Do you think once you're talking about more seasoned people that this is their primary concern? I think it depends on the person. I guess so. I think it's looking to get out of the experience. I, I think the more shows you do, the more it's about the show and you want that ca- those cast dynamics you want that experience with a group of people that you enjoy being with but you're more likely to get your satisfaction out of the show itself Th- that's that's my take on it. maybe i think different people look for different things and i'm not even entirely sure what i'm looking at looking for at this point well you've alluded to in previous episodes that because you have to be more selective of the amount of time that you spend with community theater that you are a little bit more focused on maybe going for, say, a dream role mm-hmm. kind of a situation or a specific show, maybe that you. But then it comes down to, to do. like, am I? Yeah, I'm doing it because of that role. But what's the importance? Is it still important to me to have those cast dynamics? And I think it is. I because yeah, I mean, I, because I I've think... done these dream roles before. I've, I, I've talked about my experience playing John Proctor. That's a dream role. I loved doing it, but with little exception, I never felt all that bonded to that cast. There's really only one person I've kept in touch with. Right. And, you know, it's great when I've gotten to work with him again, but the experience itself was not that enjoyable to me. I had to get all of my enjoyment out of that role. Right. Did you feel like your performance or the, the overall show suffered from that? In I any don't, way? I don't know. I don't know. That, that that would be interesting to hear from other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw it. I don't remember it coming off that way. Yeah. I mean, I I, I put a lot into that role, and I and I felt like it's like I said, I, I definitely got something out of the role and out of the show, and I enjoyed doing it. But it was like you know when the when the people were going out afterwards, I was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, like I mm-hmm. kind of went out with some of them, and this was also. Right around when the relationship with my wife was starting, so maybe I was distracted because of yeah, that. Yeah, you have to budget your time mm-hmm. a bit because of... It wasn't even that. It's just I might have been distracted by it. 
Oh, okay. My but thoughts I mean, might have been more with her than with making new friends. Right, but also the fact that, you know, you're spending a certain amount of time at rehearsals anyway, so mm-hmm. you kind of have to compartmentalize a little bit. Yeah. And maybe some of the secondary aspects of the experience of doing a show were not as important to you in that moment because you were, yeah. you know, in the early courtship, as it were. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I was wooing. <laughs> wooing. Oh, boy. Courting. Wooing. But I, it's also, it's interesting. I think that might have been the first show she ever saw me in. Interesting. So. I, I guess I hadn't remembered that that had started that by that point. Yeah. Unless I'm remembering that wrong. And boy, I hope I'm not. Oh, <laughs> Otherwise I'm in big trouble if she ever hears this. Gina, if you have a complaint to lodge about Glenn not remembering correctly, please feel free to email us at podcast at backstage.link or just wait to tell him when he gets home. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting way to plug the email address. <laughs> Got to be a little imaginative, you know. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, okay, so so here's another interesting thought. So that aside from just spending time together in rehearsals, mm-hmm. there are other opportunities that the powers that be for a particular production may use to bring people in a cast together. Mm-hmm. One of those that's kind of built into a necessity for the show is set construction. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, I know as a director when I've talked about set construction to my actors i have encouraged them to come whether they have skill in building or not come to as many set constructions as you can because i think that's just a great opportunity for cast bonding because you're not concentrating on the rehearsal yeah you're obviously spending some time building but let's face it you're getting i would say most of the time two to four people are going to be doing the majority of the building and the rest of people are going to be you know holding things (laughs) So you don't need the skill, but you could be there. You could, you could even be running lines, cheerleading. Moral going, support. Yay, yeah, moral support, exactly. And you're getting to know each other better because you're not there as your character. You're there as, as people. a person. Yeah. As real people. Yes. Little people. Real people. Like doing you. real things. And your family. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It, it kind of breaks down the structure. Yes. Breaks away from the structure to just allow people to get to know one another. Going out after rehearsals sometimes helps in that vein, too. Yeah, or um, before. <laughs> so have you ever had experience of, you know, cast parties traditionally don't get held until after the show opens. Mm-hmm. Traditionally. <laughs> um, but have you had experiences where there have been cast parties, de facto cast parties before a show I, opens? I have. I, I know there's been stuff like uh, during tech week sometimes there's been like, oh, let's all get together and go out to dinner before rehearsal. I know there was one... God, I'm trying to think of the name of the restaurant. It is like one of those family serve restaurant places that we all went to before our rehearsal in tech week. Or, or it might have been like a full day of tech where we broke and went out to dinner together. Yeah, between. that's a pretty common thing. Yeah. Because you're there so long, especially the first day of tech rehearsal, that you break in the middle and kind of depends on the theater. Uh, a Barley yeah. Chief usually does a standard rehearsal first day of tech. So it's not like a full day thing. Okay. But a, a lot of a theaters, lot of theaters do like a do full day that, thing yeah. where you start in the afternoon and mm-hmm. you're pretty much there through a normal evening. Yeah. And, and that's a break. You know, you'll break for dinner and either like bring in yeah. pizza or yeah. go out. Yeah. You know, hopefully by that point you've started to bond a little bit. I would hope. Yeah. Um, but that isn't always guaranteed, no. I guess. I mean, I, it's, it's never guaranteed. I mean, you can have a cast that goes through an entire show and never really gels. You can, or they might not really gel until they've gone through the hell of tech week. Uh, also true. That's like a trial by fire experience, and sometimes you get fire forged mm-hmm. friends that way. Admittedly, fire forged friends. Ooh, yeah, those Ooh, are tasty. how alliterative. 
Okay. So in an interesting offshoot, speaking of tech week, I guess. Yeah. Could you conceive of the possibility of a situation where if the the situations of rehearsing in tech week is so grueling or maybe the director really doesn't have as much of a handle on things as mm-hmm. they should. Have you ever observed like a situation where maybe the, the actors develop chemistry and solidarity against the director? I have seen that happen before tech week. Okay. I, I have had some directors that either never really had a handle on what they were doing or did have a handle on what they were doing, but really kind of abused the actors and yelled at them and things like that, where everybody really? kind of bonds as a unit against the director. <laughs> but I mean, what's interesting is often these shows come out good in spite of the director yeah. and, and not because of. And I mean, you know, I, I've also worked with directors who were good directors, but just didn't have a uh, a good handle on their temper, I guess. Okay, okay. So uh, it's not necessarily a bad director, if the cast is bonding against them. Sometimes bonding I've even thought director, yeah. as, as a director, sometimes I've thought, geez, what, what can I do? This cast isn't bonding. What can I do to get them to bond against me? Cause I don't really care. <laughs> like if, as long as they bond, like it can be against me. I don't need to be, I'll be part a of scapegoat. The group. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, even as director prefer being part of the group, but, but that has crossed my mind. Yeah. I, I ran into it with probably the third show I did. I mm-hmm. mentioned this last episode. It was the same show with where the director and the, the producer were engaged and then right. that fell apart. Well, the director had not really contributed a great deal up until that point anyway. So mm. nobody who was really involved in the production was particularly sad to see him go. Yeah. And he quit like right before tech week started. Oh, I think wow. I mentioned this before. Was there an AD that stepped in or did the, well, there was in, a, I guess he was a director. He was already involved with the, that particular theater group. Uh, it was Mithacton Community Theater. And he, uh, as it turned out, I actually worked with him at the time. Yeah. Like in my day job. Oh, okay. He worked at the same place I did, but that's just kind of a side point. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he was already established and involved with the uh, theater. So he was able to step in pretty much for Tech Week and help get us to where we needed to go. Right. But I think the fact that we all knew that this previous, the original director was just not really contributing a great deal. And yeah. I, I, I really, I've heard about situations like this more often than I've been involved with them. I've been very lucky in that I would say the majority, the vast majority of shows that I've acted in have had solid directors. Yeah. So we just, I think, were able to kind of pull together and step up and mm-hmm. make a show out of it ultimately, even though, you know, in spite of him not really doing much and ultimately leaving him, probably his leaving, I think, inspired us ultimately more yeah. than anything else like oh now he's gone now we can do a good show yeah right yeah. well i think we even like right off the bat like the first two tech rehearsals i think we made a great deal of progress having somebody come in who yeah. was actually able to really contribute something that's good so good to get it together at that point so that was probably my best ex- my best example and experience i had where we were able to pull together in spite of the mm-hmm. director i i'd say the weirdest experience that i had was a show with a cast and crew, including the director, that bonded against what was a crappy script. And uh-huh. I really don't want to get too much into this because I, I don't know how proud people are of this production. I mean, I, I thought it turned out pretty good in spite of difficulties, but it was, uh, yeah, the director seemed to realize partway into rehearsals that, wow, this just is not a very good script. And I think he kind of regretted stepping into it <laughs> but all of us just kind of bonded like yeah this is a crappy script but let's let's do what we can with it and i think we kind of bonded on that yeah i i i felt a little bit that way with one of the shows i directed being of sound mind where mm. 
when you're trying to make a judgment call after reading it once or twice initially, you're like, yeah, yeah I could work with this. This might be interesting to do. When you spend so much time with it later as you're rehearsing it, you really end up picking it apart. And Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've talked about my experience with uh, Treasure Island where I end up rewriting half the script. But I mean, I, I did that before. <laughs> you didn't hear that. Got a hold of that. Hear what? Yeah. <laughs> I'll censor We, we didn't end up rewriting, but we tried to make it make sense as yeah. best as well, we could. Well, that's, that's also a more major production company, whereas the Treasure Island adaptation that I had was not a major production yeah, company. Yeah. So that's why... I got away with rewriting half the script, but so, regardless. So I was also going to say, too, that I have felt as a director sometimes my perception has been occasionally that the cast, the bond forming between the amongst the cast mm-hmm. kind of makes you as a director feel a little bit like an outsider. I have absolutely felt that way before, and that's one of the things I don't like about directing. There are times that I've felt, I I think it's smaller casts, you still feel a part of things. Uh But when I've dealt with larger casts and I see that cast bond and get along and then we like go out after shows and I'm like, I'm not part of this. I'm like, I'm separate. I I am the one who arranged all of this, but I'm not, you know, it's like a king overlooking his subjects and (laughs) boy, does that sound horrible. But, but I mean, you feel- You can't go be all Henry V over it? Yeah, yeah. No. Ooh, <laughs> nice uh, theatrical reference, Ooh, huh? Getting fancy there. Yeah. No, I just, I I feel like I can't be among the people. Like Henry V. Yeah. 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 Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so there's a sense of feeling removed, especially if, you know, the cast is waiting backstage a lot. And the way it works with community theater, the director is essentially the showrunner, has mm-hmm. to kind of make sure everything gets done that needs to get done. So occasionally you have to be like the boss and the bad guy and that kind of pulls you out of the chemistry dynamic yeah i mean at least in that situation not necessarily i hope a case where the cast is banding together against you because hopefully they recognize that you're doing what you're doing for a reason sure as opposed to being a lousy director and not doing your job yeah, I, I mean, as a director, I guess, I, I, I think it's once the show opens, if you're going to bond with anybody, it's going to be at that point. That's yeah. when you can finally really talk to people. And that's how I felt like without Out of Sight, Out of Murder, it wasn't until the show opened and we were going out after shows. That I'm like, oh, OK, I can finally talk to these yeah. people because I'm not on stage. I've felt a lot that way in a lot of shows I've done, regardless of my particular role. Yeah, I mean. You know, maybe one exception might have been uh, Laughter on the 23rd Floor that mm-hmm. I was in at Forge, where pretty early on we established kind of a regular routine of going out after rehearsals maybe once a week. I miss those days. And that was a lot of fun. I mean, because of the nature of the show. Okay, here's going back to where the nature of the show promotes or foments mm-hmm. cast chemistry or not depending on how it's structured, because of that being an ensemble show, right? that was really an excellent example of, you know, bringing everybody together. Yeah, because everybody's there for every rehearsal. Pretty and much. And together, and, and it's a comedy, which which can help, I think, with cast chemistry. Well, yeah, sometimes. if you're having, I mean, it's a lot easier to have fun together working on a comedy. Yeah. So that helps immensely, and I think those two elements of it, plus getting into the routine of, bonding outside of rehearsals relatively early on and continuing that through the rest of the rehearsal period and the run of the show just made it an extremely fun experience. Yeah. And even God, I'm remembering back in the old days, even when, you know, I was involved with the rehearsals and concentrating on those, I would come out of the rehearsals and we'd walk out 
to our cars after rehearsal. And then I'd end up like talking to somebody in the parking lot until two in the morning. I think that wasn't like a regular thing, but I mean, we would have these conversations where you'd get caught in a conversation and be like, you know, I'm young. I can stay up. Late. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm like, you know, going to bed at eight o'clock. So I can <laughs> so I get up when my son wakes up at five in the morning. But uh. yeah, it's just, it's just a different, it's a different outlook on everything. And I feel like, I feel like it's kind of just harder to bond with a cast now. And that might be another reason I've stepped back. If you kind of went into getting involved in theater with that being an important part of or important reason why you do it, then yeah, if it's not there, then you feel like you're missing something. Yeah. Now, I mean, does this come down to as directors, we should be casting people that have no lives outside of theater so that we're sure they bond easier? I don't think you can do that. (laughs) You got to cast. We we, we can't have automatons. No. Now, within a cast, have you ever observed a a case of, like, factions forming? Yeah. (laughs) I hate when I see that, too. As a director, I hate when I see that. As an actor, it just feels awkward. But, I mean, a lot of the times, I think with something like that, it's going to be a larger cast with age groups. Hmm. That seems to be what happens more often than not. And, I mean, that's not... That's a case of kind of factions forming, but not factions that are necessarily pitted against each other. It's just that, you know, all the tweens are going to gather and talk among themselves while right, yeah, while the yeah. older people form their own little group. Okay. In my, yeah, I, I've seen that, I would say, particularly in high school, if we did musicals that involved, you know, bringing in some younger kids, mm-hmm. younger than high school age. Absolutely. So I mean, I, and I've seen that. The younger kids theater. would probably be hanging out together. I'm thinking of, at least within community theater, I'm thinking of situations where maybe it was a matter of the factions forming where perhaps groups of the cast were kind of bonding together in solidarity over annoyances over particular other individuals in the cast. I've seen that One happen. Or more. I've seen that happen against an individual on a few occasions. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. it where it's, you know, like the sharks and the jets and the, and the cast where you got like two <laughs> separate groups. Yeah. But I've seen it like, you know, this one. <laughs> All right, that's enough. Enough we're going to get sued. Um, <laughs> but like I've seen you know, one particular show comes to mind where there's this one actor who was in this role and he'd played the role in a previous production and he had decided that this was the proper way to play the role. And pretty much ignored everything the director told him. Right. And was just a real pain in the ass. And everybody bonded against him. Yeah. I, I've had had the same experience. Yeah. With but I haven't had it where it's mine. like, oh, two or three people are like, oh, you know, I, I haven't seen it with separate groups of people. plural. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess my experience is more along the lines of kind of everybody sort of not ganging up, but mm-hmm. kind of bonding over shared annoyance or resentment over one yeah shared grievances against one particular person yeah yeah which is a shame when it happens but it's usually a good reason for it to happen yeah well i think there certainly was there were some annoying behaviors involved Mm. where that were what i considered to be not really appropriate Mm. for i mean to the extent of kind of being uh hypocritical yeah in terms of first of all taking giving feedback to fellow actors that really is not your place. That's really m- uh, more when, the place of a director. Direct, yeah. Yeah. And then again, being hypocritical in terms of you are having the same issues and you're not covering it as well. Yeah. 
I've I've been involved in that situation and it's it's uncomfortable. But I mean that tends to leave out one person and I, I mean as much of a shame as it is, sometimes that helps cast chemistry when the rest of the cast has one person to bond against. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's, it's sad, not a good but thing. It does work out that way yeah, sometimes. I, I, it's it's hard to to. You can never guarantee that everybody's really going to like each other and get along well by the time yeah. the show opens, and, and occasionally if that doesn't happen. That can be helpful <laughs> for the rest of the cast. <laughs> it's it's horrible, but it's sad uh, but true. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. So you can have bad blood when people overstep their bounds. They're they're exceeding what their role is mm-hmm. within the ensemble or the group of the yeah, particular production. either exceeding their role or simply not fulfilling their role. Well, yeah, there's that too. They're yeah. just not living up to their part of the bargain. Mm-hmm. And that can cause resentment in other people who are trying to do a good show. Yeah, which hopefully everybody is. I, I don't want to sound too cynical, but I think probably people have different you know, it, it's all volunteer, and mm-hmm. I think everybody is probably getting something a little bit different out of the experience. Well, I mean, we're talking about cast chemistry, and we're talking about, you know, social interaction, and I'm sure there are some people who don't care so much about the show and are just there strictly for the social interaction and, and the social outlet. Well, and that can have a big bearing on the chemistry, too, because yeah. I think the more disparate people's outlooks are in that area, mm-hmm. then you're probably going to have more friction amongst the cast. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think I've seen people who do it a lot, uh, a lot more for the social interaction than for the theatrical experience. And when I've witnessed that, I think these people tend to lead the social charge and can be helpful in certain circumstances. Hmm. It's not necessarily uh, a hindrance. Okay. Last element to this discussion before yeah. we wrap up the infamous showmance Uh, well i've been involved in enough of those myself (laughs) over the years now i'm specifically talking about a relationship that builds within a production oh yeah i guess i know what you're talking about right right i honestly can't say that i have Hmm. i mean that's not to say i haven't dated within the community theater circle because obviously that's how i met my fiance but within a specific production so you're talking about beginning and ending all within the same production yes okay basically starting out meeting as strangers at the beginning of the production and Mm -hmm. then becoming romantically involved by the end of it well yeah i I mean i have experienced that Uh, my experiences with that have extended beyond the end of the show so it's not as if, you know, we met as strangers in the show, developed a relationship during the show, the show strangers closed and we were in the gone. show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean they they've lasted at least beyond the show to some extent. I don't think I had anything contained entirely within a production. <laughs> okay, so you're you're thinking of how maybe a showman's being defined as something that begins and ends with the particular production. Well, I I get that's really my question. If it extends beyond a show, does that still is that still properly identified as a showmance? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, and if you I, have an answer, you can email us at podcast at backstage.link. Indeed. I mean, I, I think it's the the odds are probably that it's going to continue at least a little bit beyond the end of the One show. Would hope. <laughs> but then again, maybe it doesn't have legs and it peters mm-hmm. out shortly thereafter. I That's certainly possible. I, I've had situations where I met 
a woman doing a show and then it kind of developed into relationship like after the show ended Mm -hmm. and then we did another show and it blew up during the next show Uh, i I mean i i was involved in some messy relationships that were kind of show-based early on so then the question is does that result in kind of being a distraction to the rest of the cast as far as you know well, fueling the gossip mill, so to speak. If it blows up, I think it does. I, I think that can definitely hurt a show. What about if it's just like a ooh, I saw these two back, you know, after if rehearsal one night thing, together, I... talking in the parking lot. Ooh, I think there's something going on there. I don't. I, I mean, I I don't think it hurts as to whether or not it might help. I, I don't know. I mean, it, that might help. People like to bond over gossip. People like to bond talking about other people. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, that could be a help. And also, there's a question of between whom the showmance develops, be it just people both happen to be involved in the same production who mm-hmm. who don't necessarily have any particular relationship that promotes a showmance mm-hmm. versus, say, like two actors who are cast together as a romantic couple who then develop, then develop a romance, a romance mm. whether it's because of working together like that right. or... Yeah, that's that's a you know, slippery say, slope because I have ne- I, I was ne- never when I was cast in a couple, I never developed a relationship with the other half of that couple, right? And I never saw anything like that happen. Whenever okay. any showmance occurred, it was you know two people involved in the show, but not as cast as a couple, right? It's just kind of interesting. Do you think that ever happens that way? Though, oh, I'm sure the... it does. I mean, I, I think that's you just hear about as it likely. a lot with you know Hollywood movies and yeah. spending all the time together. That I, I way. mean, I think it's kind of a trope in, in in certain movies and things like that. That as a plot device, that you know they're cast as a couple, so that become a couple. Right. But I, I think that the the odds are no better if you're cast as a couple than if you're just cast in the same show, or maybe not even cast together, just otherwise involved in the same yeah, show. Yeah. I don't I don't think it makes a difference, and I don't know that it's important enough to matter one way or the other as far as chemistry or bonding. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking from my own experience from the show in which I met Aaron play on Mm -hmm. uh, a long time ago, (laughs) I I don't know if there might've been, if, you know, if there were any elements of the rumor mill, it was interesting enough. It's actually another member of the cast who suggested that I ask her out, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I probably had thoughts along these lines anyway, before that we were, some of us going out after shows or rehearsals or whatever, we'd go out and spend time together that sure. way. So probably people were picking up on that and, you know, maybe thought it seemed like it'd be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> and I did too, but I definitely made a point to wait until after the show was over before yeah. I attempted any. I think I anything. was involved with some shows where I talked to women uh, about that possibility during the production. And they said, you know what, let's wait till after this show is over and then we'll see where things are i think i recall like you know i'd spend some time talking to her to aaron before the rehearsal actually started mm-hmm. i'm sure other people were picking up on that a bit and mm-hmm. you know read into it whatever but you know wherever my feelings were at the time i figured it would be best to not do anything until until the show was show. over. Yeah. so i made my move on closing night yes and the uh, flowers worked <laughs> And as we know, that story has ended well. And the rest is history. Yes. And the rest of this episode is history. Indeed. Or actually, all of this episode is history because I think we've 
pretty much driven this topic into the ground well. But it's been a fun ride. It has been a fun ride, and uh, I'm sure we'll be back next week with a topic yet to be determined. Indeed, we'll have to pick our brains. Yes, and hopefully something will come out. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not, you know, brain juice. Mm, Brain juice. (laughs) So until we drink of our brain juice next week, I am Glenn. (laughs) That's gross. (laughs) Yes, it is. And I'm Jim. And we'll see you backstage. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim, and And welcome... It's my turn, damn it. Is it? Yes. Oh. Hi, I'm Glenn. Yeah. Hi. (laughs) Hi, I'm not Jim. (laughs) Jim's been drinking. Yeah. (laughs) Why do I use words like foment? I don't know. I, I have such you're an English major. Way. Yeah, I, I guess. Know. I have an odd way of speaking. To read makes our speaking English good. Hey, uh, got any gum? <laughs> Stretch for time. Stretch for time. That's, that's all we do on this, isn't it? <laughs>